Hello, everyone. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast. Today, we're going to talk with my friend, Jen Malicha. She is an FDN practitioner. We're going to be talking about the top toxins to avoid to address and reverse Hashimoto's. It's a thyroid condition, autoimmune thyroid condition that afflicts millions of people. And but this show is going to also pertain to people who have thyroid issues. And so everything we talk about will pertain to anyone that has any type of, of thyroid issues. And so the things we're going to be talking about today are the type of testing that you want to be getting to diagnose Hashimoto's. You know, usually you have to like, you know, arm wrestle your doctor to get him to do the tests that would be required because they will usually only do very basic testing. So we discuss the kind of tests that you need. We talk about the, the top toxins that affect your thyroid, namely mercury is a big one, but there's a lot of other ones as well. We'll also talk about the type of diet that you should be eating, maybe foods to avoid, also all different types of lifestyle choices you want to you may want to be looking at and the underlying root causes of Hashimoto's there's three things that have to happen uh, that have to converge in order to get a diagnosis of Hashimoto's so we'll talk about that underlying root causes and so much more today with Jen Malaysia and I know you guys listening to this show are concerned, obviously, about your toxic body burden, what toxins that you have. So I created a quiz. It's heavymetalsquiz.com. It takes a couple minutes to take it. And I designed it to uh, you know, help answer some lifestyle questions that uh, you have that will determine kind of your relative level of toxic body burden of toxins. And then after you take the quiz, you get your results. And then you'll also get a free video series that answers a lot of your frequently asked questions about how to detox, how long does it take, what kind of testing do I do, where do I get started? So you get a totally free video series after that. Really, really informative. We spent a lot of time here trying to figure out what exactly your, your frequently asked questions were to answer them after the, the quiz. So go take it at heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Jen Malacha, supports busy health-minded professionals in taking back control of their health by giving them access to the right lab tests and resources so that they can find the missing pieces of their health puzzle and actually fix what's wrong and get back to feeling like themselves again. Using over a decade of personal training experience, training in functional diagnostic nutrition and transformational coaching, she creates personalized health rebuilding programs for clients that are realistic and sustainable for long lasting results and that empower clients to be the boss of their own health. So if you're ready to look at the big picture of your health and not just one disconnected piece at a time to embrace health as a way of being and to stop settling for anything less than you deserve when it comes to your health and happiness, then Jen is exactly who you've been looking for. So you can learn more about Jen at holistichealthboss.com. Jen, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. It's, you know, I've known you for such a long time and it's great to be having a chat with you today. So, yes. And I love talking about the thyroid because so many people have thyroid issues and these are conditions that are totally reversible or, you know, not everyone, but there's a lot of things that you can do to care for your thyroid, improve the health of your thyroid and in overall health. So we're going to talk about some of those things today. So can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of got involved with 
working with clients with a thyroid issue? Yeah, well, I think it's like, you know, most of us that are in this field of work, it's usually because we've had a personal experience with it. And I myself have had a history of thyroid issues, I guess I would call them, which I have since reversed, as we were just kind of mentioning that it is possible to restore health to the thyroid. So a couple of years back in, I think it was like 2016 now at this point in time, we, unbeknownst to me, had toxic mold in our house for an unknown period of time. And I would just, my health was declining over like a two year process leading up to about 2016 where it really hit rock bottom. And at that moment is when I was, you know, kind of figured out that I had estrogen dominance. We saw the mold in the guest room closet and then all the pieces of the puzzle came together for why my health had been declining for so long and why I was estrogen dominant in the first place. And then those, you know, a uh, combination of things had actually triggered uh, hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's for me at that time. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say though, here sitting with you a couple of years later and actually really quickly after discovering what was going on with my body, I was able to get that Hashimoto's in remission. Um, but it really opened my eyes to not just toxic mold, but you know the other toxins and things that are going on in our environment that probably were compounding factors that led me to that place because it was the overall burden of what was going on with my body that ultimately weighed down you know, not only my hormonal balance, my detoxification system, and definitely my thyroid health at the same time. And so as a result of just sharing my story uh, as I usually do, because I think it's so important for us to share our stories to help inspire others. I naturally have just started kind of working with people that have had a similar experience as me too. And can you talk to us about the underlying root causes of Hashimoto's? Because I think a lot of people get very surprised by having this diagnosis. Like I was when I, I didn't have Hashimoto's, but I had low thyroid function. I was very, very surprised by that. You know, what are some of the underlying root causes? Yeah. And that's great because I think people should understand this. And there are so many experts out there who, you know, talk about this really well. Like I remember the first time I ever really heard a great analogy for this was Andre Nakayama. I mean, back in like probably 2014 or so before I really knew I had a thyroid problem or even one was maybe even developing. I remember her talking about autoimmune conditions in general and how, you know, it's a three-legged stool, you know, in order for an autoimmune condition to express itself in the body, there kind of has to be three legs that come together. And one is definitely having a genetic component and you know, going through this experience, it kind of helped me look back on my family history. And I came to find that my grandma had had a history with thyroid issues. My aunt had had a history with thyroid issues. And some of the other people in my family, although they weren't diagnosed with thyroid stuff, now looking back with the knowledge that I have, like, you know, the hair loss and the things that they experience, weight gain and stuff on that, like that, I was like, oh, they, there's probably a, quite a bit of thyroid history in my family overall. So that's one piece of the puzzle. And then the second piece of the puzzle is having what we call leaky gut, like a, an impaired digestive tract, a suppressed immune system. And the immune system part is really important. Like what part of what triggers an autoimmune condition is the immune system becoming so overwhelmed that it no longer can distinguish between the good guys and the bad guys anymore. And that's when it kind of starts to attack 
healthy tissue, right? And so the, the, you know, integrity of the intestinal tract is a big part of that, which relates to the immune system. And then the third piece is some type of environmental trigger. And there are a lot of triggers out there, you know, and thyroid has been just an exploding topic, I think, in the functional medicine industry now for a couple of years. And there's been, you know, talk around how Epstein-Barr EVV is a trigger for Hashimoto's, which it is, but you have to have these other three or these other two pieces of the puzzle. And gluten can also be, you know, a trigger for something like Hashimoto's if you have the other two pieces of the puzzle or even like certain strains of parasites, bacteria, yeast overgrowth in the gut have been synonymous with autoimmune conditions such as Hashimoto's as well too. So the triggers, the list of triggers can be really vast. I'm sure that toxins can play a role and that as well, as we've seen, you know, an emergence of this conversation around toxins that we just don't really know probably enough about them for the amount that we are exposed to them and how they really impact our health. Yeah, I think that's a very good point because I, I mean, we have over 80,000, even 100,000 chemicals, it's estimated in our environment. We don't know how they interact with each other in our bodies. And we definitely have isolated, you know, some things. But we, I know that, you know, mercury definitely plays a huge role in affecting the thyroid. Can you talk about that and maybe any other toxins that are impacting our thyroid negatively? Yeah, well, I think at like this from the simplistic standpoint is that one of the things that relates to thyroid health and toxins is the liver. The liver is kind of this organ that's in between these two things that really impacts thyroid health overall. So if we have things like mercury toxicity in our body or other toxins or like I had, you know, elevated estrogen levels, which can present as a toxin in the body also, the liver is responsible for moving those things through and out of the body, right? It's one of our major detoxification organs, although we do have other ones, but it plays this really big role in this process. And the liver is also where we convert a large amount or a good percentage of thyroid hormone. So that's one of the main areas that I focus on with clients when they come to me and they've been experiencing either diagnosed or undiagnosed thyroid issues is that we really work on detoxification and cleaning up the liver, helping the liver to move a little bit better, making the liver tissues healthier, right? Because again, that's where we convert T4 to T3, a large percentage of it. So the toxins really act in two ways. Like there's toxins that directly disrupt, you know, the endocrine system. So we've got things like, you know, this is something that really opened my eyes up and really encouraged me to look closer at like the quality of the water that I, not only was I drinking, but that I was showering in because fluoride, bromelain, chlorine, they can all bind to thyroid hormone and make it unavailable or inactive. Not only that, but they disrupt the other delicate balance of the hormones, which can have a downstream effect to, to thyroid as well too. And then they create this burden on the liver and they create unhealthy tissue in the liver that then impacts the conversion of thyroid hormones. So there's things like mercury, arsenic, you know, all of these toxins, we really need to be looking at them. And that was, you know, when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and kind of figured this out, I would say that I was living a pretty 
healthy life at that time. I had been, I was a couple years in doing the work that I do now as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. I had gone through a plot process of cleaning up some more of the obvious toxins in my environment, like getting rid of plastics and, you know, drinking out of glass and stainless steel water bottles and eating organic and those types of things. And this just encouraged me to investigate a much deeper layer of toxin exposures where we looked at getting like a whole house filtration system and, you know, starting to swap out some of the cooking utensils that we were using in order to eliminate, minimize as much as possible these exposures for these reasons, for the direct impact that they have on the hormones and then the side impact that they have on the liver that can affect them as well too. That was a fantastic explanation of, of how all these different toxins impact the thyroid. And it's not surprising why the number one prescribed medication is thyroid medication. I mean, there's just so many toxins working against our thyroid and thyroid hormone production. One thing I wanted to just throw in there and mention is that a lot of times people have allergies to mercury. They have a sensitivity to mercury. Mercury can build up in the thyroid and that people's autoimmune system, their immune system will have an autoimmune response and attack the mercury. And then the thyroid tissue just happens to be kind of like a victim of that, mm -hmm. that immune response. Yeah. And that's a great thing to point out because I think a lot of people are unaware of that. And this is where when we you know, do our work when we're investigating, we need to look at like that individual person and what have, what kind of exposures to toxins have they have? What do they have going on in their body and start to identify what some of these triggers are, right? Going back to that concept of triggers, like I'm somebody mm -hmm. who's never really dealt with EBV myself before. I've never had an outbreak of mono. You know, the CDC estimates that 80% of the population carries something like EBV or herpes simplex, which can also be a trigger. And yet that probably wasn't a trigger for me because it's not something that's really like, you know, expressed itself in my body versus, you know, somebody who has had Ex, you know, exposures to mercury because they have metal fillings in their mouth or other things that are going on in their environment. Like we need to be looking at all of those variables that are specific to that person, certainly. What kind of testing should someone do to find out if they have Hashimoto's or low thyroid functioning? So definitely a full thyroid panel. Uh, and I say full thyroid panel, I want to emphasize that because typically when you you know, go to your regular, you know, primary care physician, you ask for a thyroid test, they primarily are going to run something called TSH, which is thyroid stimulating hormone, which gives you some insights about the thyroid, because actually the pituitary gland is what releases TSH to signal the thyroid to do its job to produce thyroid hormone. So if thyroid hormone production is low, the pituitary gland is going to work harder. It's going to release more TSH. So that can be an insight as to you know what's going on with the thyroid, but it's not the complete picture. And I love like Dr. Karazian talks about this really well in his book, Why Do I Still Have Thyroid Symptoms? Is that there's like six different thyroid profiles. And sometimes you can have a normal TSH level, but the other thyroid hormone values are out of range or dysfunctional in some kind of way. So we also want to be looking at total T4, total T3, which is 
the bound hormone. So it's not really available to the cells, but it gives you some insights. And then we want to look at free T3 and free T4, which are the active available versions of the hormone, which the cells can then utilize. Then we want to look at also what we call reverse T3 and T3 uptake. So T3 uptake is more about you know, how much of that T3 is being taken up into the cells. And reverse T3 is more about stopping the intake of T3 into the cells so we can understand what might be at play there. And then also the thyroid antibodies. And I often see, you know, even when a client gets a semi-full uh, thyroid panel, it's usually only testing for one of the thyroid antibodies. So we want to be testing for thyroid peroxidase, which is TPO, and thyroglobulin, which is TGAB to really see the two different antibody pictures to understand, you know, what is going on there. And sometimes, you know, one th antibody can be lower in normal range and the other one can be really flared up. And so either way that can indicate a thyroid or an autoimmune process and thyroid issues. And based on what those markers t say, it could tell you if you're hypothyroid, if you're hyperthyroid. And then again, going back to the six different thyroid profiles concept based on specifically the pattern of the, the thyroid markers, then you can start to understand like in some cases, it could be a thyroid issue could be secondary to a pituitary issue. And then sometimes in those cases, that's because people have been over medicated. I've seen some clients like that come through my practice where they've been working on a thyroid issue for so long and they just keep getting prescribed a higher level of medication to try and deal with it. And actually it's making things worse because it's creating this secondary hypopituitary problem that's happening. Yeah. And, and doing all that testing is amazing, you know, but I think a lot of medical doctors actually flatly refuse to do this type of testing, especially if you're with an HMO or like Kaiser or something mm -hmm. like that. Like I've suggested certain tests when I had uh, certain health insurance at, at that one time, I would suggest uh, even asking to get a vitamin D test. Oh, I don't think there's, there's, I don't see any symptoms that would allow me to even uh, run right. that type of test for you. And so for some people, they really have to push their doctor to get the testing done to get to the, the, the bottom of what's going on with them. Exactly. And I think that's where I really like to be, help people advocate for themselves is we'll have, if I think that they should go get their thyroid tested, or if they've had inadequate thyroid testing coming to work with me, we talk about that and I educate them about, you know, why they need to get these full panels. I think it's important to educate yourself in terms of resources. I'll have them read something like, you know, Dr. Amy Myers, her thyroid solution book, or like Dr. Karazian's book that I just mentioned, so that they have a better understanding so that they can go in there armed and educated to have a real conversation with their, their practitioner. And I prevent, provide them with a list of like, here's the things to go in and ask for so that they're clear on what it is that they need, you know, as well too. Cause these are kind of, you know, for, it's like speaking a new language, right? Like they don't speak uh, medical speak and thyroid marker <laughs> language necessarily. <laughs> yeah. And, and those kind of books are amazing. Cause when you go to your doctor, they're not going to give you any diet or lifestyle or, you know, suggestions on, on how to address the leaky gut, addressing the underlying root causes. So you really have to be an advocate for your own health uh, because the doctor, they're only going to give you thyroid medication, mm -hmm. replacement hormones. They're not going to give you solutions to reverse 
the issue. And so you really have to, to, you know, take your health into your own hands and become a student of, you know, how to improve your health. Right. And let's be clear too, that especially in an autoimmune case, something like thyroid medication, like a T3 or a T4 or desiccated thyroid hormone, it actually does not stop the autoimmune process. It's only supplementing the low hormone values that are there, maybe because the thyroid has been under attack by the immune system and it can't produce thyroid hormone as well, or there's lack of nutrients, whatever's going on. So to truly you know, do something like I did in, in hopes of reversing an autoimmune condition or getting it under control naturally, then that is where the lifestyle components come in. And this just circles us back to that conversation around, you know, getting rid of the toxins out of your environment and working through and minimizing as many of the potential triggers as possible. And, you know, some of the other resources that I use for that in terms of testing too, when you're like a Dutch test, and a Dutch test can actually be really, really insightful if somebody doesn't know that they have a thyroid issue, but maybe we sus- suspect it. Based on the values of 24-hour free cortisol and metabolized cortisol, we can actually see some thyroid profiles on there, which can indicate, you know, let's go look at that thyroid panel a little bit closer. And also like a Diagnostic Solutions GI map test a stool sample test to look at, you know, what's going on in the gut in terms of bacteria, yeast, parasite overgrowth, the intestinal lining and its health. And actually on the GI map, some of the markers are categorized as autoimmune triggers. So something like the bacteria Klebsiella, for example, is an autoimmune trigger. And so if we suspect that somebody's on autoimmune spectrum, or they already know that they have something like that going on, then that's definitely a clue, like a trigger that we want to clean up. And even if they don't, know or don't suspect autoimmunity, regardless, as we talked about, you know, that what's important for the thyroid is cleaning up toxins. So gut bugs, bacteria, parasites, yeast are also a type of internal toxin that our liver and our body might be dealing with that also impair our ability to digest foods and nutrients well enough to get things like, you know, selenium that the thyroid needs to make thyroid hormone, as well as that inflammatory component. If it's continually overwhelming the immune system with this inflammation, it's going to maybe lead down the road to an autoimmune condition process as well too. And how do you go about detoxing clients when they're, they're presenting with Hashimoto's or thyroid issues? What are the steps that you have them take to detox their body? So I start with making sure that the other systems of the body are supported first and foremost before we just dive into detoxification. So in my work, what that looks like is the first thing we focus on is supporting digestion and repair. So things like a probiotic, maybe a digestive enzyme, um, some fish oils, some glutamine, maybe something like microbiome labs, like their Omega IgG 2000 that helps to restore the intestinal lining or designs for health GI revive. That's really going to strengthen that intestinal lining, the digestive process. So that one, you know, as we're working through this process and they're eating more organic healthy foods, they're going to get more bang for their buck with everything that they put in their mouth. They're going to be able to get more nutrients out of the food that they're eating. And two, to calm some of that inflammatory response and to improve the integrity of the intestinal lining. Because 
the intestines actually play a role in part of the detoxification process, right? So we need to make sure that everything down the path is going to be strengthened. And then I kind of move into, from there, we move into a phase, well, let's support the adrenals, let's support general health and hormones. So maybe something like adaptogenic herbs for their cortisol, depending on what their cortisol rhythm, their circadian rhythm looks like, taking minerals, because we know that toxins already strip the body of minerals. So like a nice, well-rounded mineral complex. And then based on some of their test results, anything else that they might need to support, you know, better quality sleep or their hormones in some kind of way, maybe maca or something like that, that might be going on. And then I move them into like a gentle detoxification of herbs and things that would support the liver specifically. So milk thistle, dandelion root, adding in some glutathione, some N-acetylcysteine to support the natural detoxification process. So now we've really laid this foundation going into something like detoxing gut bugs, for example, or, you know, maybe like a heavy metals chelation potentially. Now that all their systems of the body are supported, they're not going to feel like crap when they go through that detoxification process. We've kind of boosted up general health essentially to help their body move through that. So what do you think is the the number one toxin that people need to be concerned about when they're thinking about detoxing their body to address Hashimoto's? That's a really great question. And gosh, it just varies so much, I think, for each individual person based on where what they where they live and what their environment is. So I guess the thing that I'll how I'll kind of answer this question is more so on how do we prioritize toxin elimination? And I prioritize that based on let's first focus on everything that's going in your body. So let's make sure, I mean, that's when you're putting toxins like non-organic foods per se, or, you know, meats that have hormones and antibiotics in them into your body, these toxins that we, you know, you're directly consuming them. They have a much, they have such a large impact when we do that. So the first thing is I focus on, you know, let's eliminate toxins that are going into your body, which is usually through food sources, the types of foods that you're buying, what type of utensils, like, and things are you cooking with your cookware? If you're using, you know, Teflon, nonstick pans, those types of things that are then your food's going to absorb those toxins, you're going to ingest them. And then that moves us into the category of water, making sure that the water that you're drinking, that you're putting in your body again, is filtered and clean. And then from there, I say, okay, the next priority priority is anything that goes on your body, because whatever we put on our body, like on our skin, the body still absorbs and metabolizes in some kind of way. So now that's going through your lotions, your makeup, your shampoos, your conditioners, getting rid of things like parabens and phthalates, right? Um, This also then comes, water comes into play again with the, the shower water. And this was, as I mentioned earlier, when I came up with this Hashimoto stuff and thyroid issues, water was a big one because as I also, I think mentioned earlier, is that chlorine, bromelain, fluoride, they bind the thyroid hormone and make it unavailable on top of the fact that they, you know, burden the liver with that process of detoxification. And I don't know about you, but I shower twice a day. You know, most people shower at least once a day. So if you're showering twice a day, once a day on top of, you know, drinking as we all should be drinking, you know, somewhere around like 60 to a hundred ounces of water a day, that's a lot of consumption or exposure right there that we can be minimizing. And then from there, I'm like, okay, then we kind of move out. So third priority is 
other environmental factors. So that could be inhalants, like the cleaning supplies that you're using, making sure that you have air purifiers in your home or where you spend a lot of time indoors, right? Like other things that you're surrounding yourself with. It's like the, you know, if we think about in our home, all of our couches, all of our furniture has this flame retardant already built in and on it, which is toxic, which off gas, and we don't even notice that, or the paint that's on our walls. So then we can start to be concerned about those things that we do come in contact with regularly and daily and start to eliminate some of those factors. Let's talk a little bit about diet. So diet has a huge impact on promoting leaky gut and exacerbating Hashimoto's. What kind of dietary recommendations would you make for anyone that has a Hashimoto's diagnosis or suspects it? Yeah. One of the primary goals, as we've been talking about, is like recognizing that the immune system is overwhelmed. So one of the first places that I like to start is, you know, working towards an anti-inflammatory diet, which can be you know, generalized by we can look at some of the top inflammatory foods like gluten, dairy, sugar, soy, alcohol. You could probably lump grains in general into that category. And then for some people, specifically, I have seen a huge correlation, and this is talked about quite a bit in some of the you know autoimmune books that are out there and things like that, is foods that contain lectins in them, so nuts, seeds, beans legumes and nightshade vegetables. But running a food sensitivity test can really help you gain greater insights into some of these clues to understand exactly what the individual person needs. And so from there, it's like, you know, working towards moving towards an anti-inflammatory diet first and foremost to calm that reaction on the immune system, give the digestive system a break from that inflammation. And then what I found to be really important as well is balancing macronutrients. You know, when we look at the interplay within the endocrine system and how the thyroid and the HPA access work together and how, you know, our body is this huge, you know, network of systems. Then I start to look at macronutrient balance because that will help to balance blood sugar levels, which helps to balance their circadian rhythm, which helps to improve sleep quality as well too. It also, you know, reduces digestive stress also. So if we're eating an imbalance of protein, carbs, and fats for what's right for our body, you know, the digestive system can have a hard time with that. So again, this can improve absorption of nutrients when we do this, and then we're boosting nutrient delivery to the body, which helps with that healing process. Is there anything else that you wanted to to talk about we haven't discussed so far uh, when it comes to to helping someone, you know, reverse their, their Hashimoto's? Yeah, I would love to mention sleep. Sleep is a big factor for me. And this is where I see a lot of people struggle. And it's not only important for the Hashimoto's aspect, but it's also important for detoxification, right? And one of the most critical things that I've seen in the work that I've done with clients is not only the amount of sleep that you're getting, but the time frame in which you're sleeping that supports the natural circadian rhythm. So really critical time period is generally about 10 p.m. to about 4 a.m. And if we look at like a Chinese medicine clock or wheel, if you Google that, you'll see some really great images and graphs about you know, certain time frames that the body is doing certain activities. And we know that 
you know, according to our circadian rhythm, usually the window between like one and about 3 a.m. It was when the gallbladder, the kidneys, and the liver are doing their major detoxification process. So we need to be sleeping during that time in order for those functions to happen effectively. And then also when we're sleeping during this time, it balances their circadian rhythm, which balances the HPA axis, which has a positive impact on the thyroid function as well too. And during this time, this, this window is also critical because this is the time like at night during this window is when our body releases like human growth hormone, for example, to go and repair all of the cells. And one of the things that I'll tell people is that your body can only heal when it's in a relaxed state. So if you have you know, disrupted sleep or you're not sleeping through the night, your body can't heal during that process. So we need to not only be sleeping during these critical time periods, but we also need to make sure that we're getting consistent you know, sleep during that time for these, these functions to happen. And this is such a game changer. I know it's been for me, Wendy, and my clients that I've worked with where you know, we've, we live in a society where people are burning you know, the um, oil, the candle at both ends, as they say, like staying up late, getting up early, um, catching up on work late at night, or after they put their kids to bed, they think that that's their only personal time. But that, you know, that really impacts this, this sleep structure that we're talking about. And the body, like, it's like you're waking up with like a half a take of gas every single day when that's happening. So if you can get yourself to go to sleep by 10 p.m., sleep, solid through till about 4am or even a little bit later, then you'll find that your body just has a better ability to heal and you'll feel much better in the morning time and it will progressively get better as well too. Yeah. I know so many people are having issues with sleep. I mean, it's just, it's something I struggled with for a really long time and, and different things can throw a wrench in your sleep when you kind of have your rhythm down and then you can have a surprise mold infestation <laughs> or you move and you have high EMF in your yeah area. You don't really, you don't realize it. There's a, a lot of things that can come up. And so that's really like that foundation of health. You, you've got to get your, your sleep down and figure out every, everything that could possibly disrupt your sleep and address it. Yes, exactly. And what's interesting is that window between one and three, if you find yourself consistently waking up during that time, I've seen that be a signature sign of blood sugar imbalances. So going back to that diet piece and the importance of balancing macronutrients, but also because that is the window to detoxification, it can be an indication that you've got a congested you know, liver and detox process, and it probably needs some support also. Yeah. Our poor livers are just so overburdened. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And then when you think about how a hundred million people have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, and that's just with a, a diagnosable condition, it's not even counting people who's, who have other more serious liver disease. And then people have under-functioning livers because their livers are just so overwhelmed with all the toxins in their poor diet. I mean, our liver has so many different jobs. So many different jobs. I, that's, I kind of relate it to that. I'm like, you know, if we look at the number of toxins that have been released since World War II, like I think you quoted, you know, it's definitely over 80,000. I think the last number that I saw was like 120,000 mm. is that our liver has not had enough time to, it hasn't been able to evolve 
quickly enough to at the same rate as all these toxins are coming out into the world essentially so it basically is you know doing the same it's like it's like asking somebody in a 40 hour work week to do 100 more tasks than they were used to doing right and i think that first and foremost like when clients ask me at the end of our work like what are some things that i can should continue to focus on and supplements that i should take i'm like you should always be working on detoxification in some subtle like daily way because just because of the amount of toxins that we come encounter with you can't always see hear smell or feel them but they're there and the way that they impact us and our liver just hasn't had time to catch up so until that ever happens we should probably just always be supporting our poor livers. Yes, I totally agree. That's why we're doing this podcast. Yeah, because it's amazing. You know, we talk about these different topics, different health issues like Hashimoto's or adrenal fatigue or what have you, weight issues. I mean, toxins impact every different organ and organ system in the body. They poison enzymes, they poison the body's ability to make proteins, and they just throw a wrench in our you know, thyroid's functioning in addition to all the other different organs and organ systems. So you've got to be thinking about detoxification as a lifestyle, uh, like yes. you just mentioned. So, so tell us, where can we learn more about you? Where can the listeners, you know, work with you? Do you have any like programs or how does someone learn more about you? Yeah. So my um, kind of brand is the Holistic Health Boss and Holistic is as in whole, like whole foods. Uh, so you can go to holistichealthboss.com. I write a weekly blog talking a lot about the things that we've discussed today. I also have a 21 day program free that's on there to explore a little bit of the things that we talked about. Like you know, the first week is about dialing in your diet and kind of paying attention to your macronutrients and figuring out what balance is right for you. And then in week two, it's talking about sleep and uncovering you know, tactics and tools to help you sleep better and what might be preventing you from getting that great sleep. And then week three is actually exploring gut bugs because they're a lot more common than most people think. So people can go to my website and get all those resources. And then I love playing on Instagram. So you can follow me at Holistic Health Boss on Facebook as well too as Holistic Health Boss. Fantastic. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on the Meyer Talks podcast. And, and everyone, thanks so much for tuning in every week. It's really my pleasure to, to do this show every week. And I always learn so much also from all the guests that come on. And so I, I'm just really thankful that you guys are tuning in every week. And I've just had so much fun doing this over the last eight years. We're going into year eight now. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, so uh, thanks for tuning in. And my name is Wendy Myers. You can find uh, my work at MyersDetox.com. And I'll talk to you guys very soon. Happy New Year. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.